are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. over there you look positively angry or i mean sterner than usual i was telling bones how difficult the holidays had been and he said that i need to make some changes so i'm attempting the human activity of making new year's resolutions i believe it was oh did he hmm. so what's on your list uh number one Talk with the captain about dividing up ship cleaning duties. I call it the ship shape initiative. <laughs> Item two, purchase a new intergalactic vacuum. Item three, remind Bones that we're all responsible for keeping the Enterprise clean. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's a very nice list. It, it'd be a real shame if something happened to it. Yoink! <gasps> Sir! You don't need New Year's resolutions, my Vulcan friend. You need a New Year's revolution. But, but, what? All will be explained. But first, let's open the show. Hello, friends at home. I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Laura Sigarski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, and most especially beleaguered first officer. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists doesn't mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Why did you rip up my paper? It wasn't just rude. Paper is a finite resource in space. It was also wasteful. My grand gestures care nothing of conservation. <laughs> but if it makes you feel better, I did put it in the recycling. It does. Um, so what is a New Year's revolution, sir? It is something of my own design, and it seems to be catching on. Don't raise those Vulcan eyebrows at me. Okay, so maybe I didn't create the concept. Rather, there's a zeitgeist amongst humans in the Western world around moving away from resolutions and moving towards a revolution. But Bones led me to believe that New Year's resolutions are a time-honored and beloved Earth custom. Time-honored? Yes. Beloved? Fuck no. Every year, humans take an inventory of all their perceived faults and then resolve to fix them in the coming year, believing that they will thereby become more worthy of societal acceptance and hopefully improved mood and self-esteem. But ultimately, the only thing that resolutions tend to bring folks is feelings of disappointment, frustration, and almost inevitably shame. Oh no. Oh yes. Then why would Bone suggest this to me? I thought we were making such progress in friendship therapy. I don't think it was malicious. Probably. Mm -hmm. It's it's just a social norm, or as we call them, a Westworld construct. People don't realize that they can opt out of this self-defeating practice, and so they continue to perpetuate it, ultimately to their own detriment. I must say, sir, the New Year does feel like a, a very organic time to choose to make some changes in one's life. I agree. 
a fresh start, a new year. I get it. And I'm not at all saying that folks can't choose to make some changes, but I prefer to think of this as setting an intention for themselves. The purpose of an intention is to set it and then check in about it regularly. You're not assigning judgment to what you find. You're just noticing and allowing that to inform you. Do you see how that's different from resolving to go to the gym every day for the next year when evidence suggests that you will burn out in fewer than two weeks? You know, picking something that is surely unachievable if one is going from zero gym to everyday gym. Mm. So that might look like my intention is to prioritize movement in my life. You'll check in with yourself regularly and see, am I prioritizing movement? And if not, what would help me to continue to move in that direction? I suppose so, but I must say that I'm still not fully grasping how this differs appreciably from Bone's New Year's resolutions. I mean, intentions, resolutions, they feel like very related concepts, synonyms maybe. Could you perhaps give me a more concrete example of what you feel the difference is? Yes, I would be happy to pontificate. So... <laughs> When I think of one of my favorite revolutionary characters um, who comes to my mind is Katniss Everdeen from the Hunger Games series. Now, I know Katniss isn't everybody's favorite, but she is a excellent example of what I'm talking about here. So Katniss didn't just wake up one morning and go, you know, she wakes up on December 31st and she's like, my resolution for the new year is to crumble the Capitol. <laughs> no, I believe that her resolution goes something like, my, my intention for this new year is to just try and stay alive. <laughs> you know, stay alive, figure out how to put, you know, not three solid meals, because I'd be asking way too much, but maybe two, you know, one and a half on a light day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if she had woken up on December 31st and said, my New Year's resolution is to crumble the Capitol, um, th that, uh, how, 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 Katniss? What, uh, and right. I mean, I think maybe to your point, having an, should I go with resolution or intention here? Which, do you, which one do you feel is more accurate? I, I prefer intention. Intention. So having an intention that's that grand, can mm -hmm. feel too big and it can mm -hmm. feel so huge so enormous that i mean i don't know i think probably katniss would have just been overwhelmed and if not crushed then at least stuck in those overwhelmed feelings and not been able to move forward to achieving that intention because it was too big mm -hmm. yeah her i mean if if we could look inside her mind and if she did things like setting intentions which i mean it, it for folks who are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I mean, Katniss is, she is, she is base of the pyramid. Like they are just trying to have enough food and water. Right. And, and maybe and for safety. the, for the folks at home, let's quickly run through Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So basically Abraham Maslow, he was a <laughs> psychologist. Clearly I was, I'm very excited about Abraham over here. <laughs> I love that you know his first name. I don't think I ever knew his first name. Well, it's Abraham. Does that um, mean he's part of my chosen people? I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> Abraham. Abra of course, of course. 
He's uh he's from he was an his parents were immigrants from Kiev. <laughs> nice. So he knew what it was to suffer. Um and so <laughs> So he came up with this whole pyramid. Well, I mean he had a philosophy and it was best exemplified by this visual of a pyramid. And really I think it makes a kind of sense that he was of the chosen people and that his family came from arguably one of the most persecuted places on the planet. Um, th- uh, what was I trying to say? God, I'm tired. You're doing great. You're doing you. really great. <laughs> for, for folks who have not listened to our mm. holiday trifecta, um, just to understand why we're maybe a little bit off center today you just go ahead and listen to that holiday trifecta and it'll all make sense it'll all make sense so what i'm trying to say is that clearly his own personal experiences with strife and suffering contributed to the formulation of this theory because maslow's hierarchy of needs i think in many ways is an attempt is his attempt to visualize how does one move from suffering to a place of relative happiness, comfort, contentment. And he thought that you had to move through these series of stages. He, I think he often, it's I suppose it's debatable, but I think he visualized them as being not just hierarchical, but chronological. Does that resonate with us fully? No, because I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is that change changes a circle. Mm-hmm. But for Maslow, change was a pyramid. <laughs> And on the bottom, and it was a pyramid that you climb up. And on the very bottom of the pyramid was um, physiological needs. So you needed to have things like food, shelter, water. Then on top of that base, we have safety. So you needed to feel that you were not going to be, say, like, attacked at any moment by, like, a wild panther. Mm. Oh, Charlene Harris, panthers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't you didn't read the true blood books did you i did not i did oh. not and yet you know about were panthers where well, because where do you know your were panthers from <laughs> so i know my were panthers because i watched far enough into the true blood series until it was there were they i mean they jumped so many sharks in that show and i think the final shark for me was somewhere between suke and suke <laughs> 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 So, okay and uh where which one are you going for um i don't know really intense like the the sookies were like at one point both like bill and uh what's his name and pop bill oh yeah oh god and uh the nordic guy you know uh eric eric, eric northman they're both like sookieing <laughs> um somewhere between those <laughs> i got off i got off the shark um but i stayed on the true blood shark long enough <laughs> to learn about to learn about where panthers though i never saw um so yes moving on to the the third tier if you will um is achieving a sense of both love and belonging so this is that like more relational section um where you give love and receive love and that feels very nice of course and then the penultimate second to last one if you will is a sense of esteem so learning how to feel confident and proud of yourself, having a sense of who you were. And then the final tip top of the pyramid was self-actualization. Mm-hmm. 
And friend, what would you say best is the best way to kind of sum up self-actualization? Yeah, self-actualization is like the the higher thinking stuff, right? Like this is this is where we're able to have those philosophical existential conversations and really question life and our place in it. Um, which when you're homeless or if mm-hmm. like Katniss, uh, you're starving. Right. Uh, the asking yourself, like, what am I doing here and what does it all mean? Like it's it's not that you can't do that. You can, uh, but you don't really have the energy for it and it doesn't feel important. Right. And I think maybe another good way to think about this pyramid, because I think it does have a lot to offer, is that it is, I don't think it's saying necessarily that you can't have those kinds of self-actualizing internal or external dialogue with either yourself or others that you can't... um feel love towards another human being if maybe your personal safety is in question. But I think what it's saying is that all of that becomes much harder mm-hmm. and it's not really sustainable. You are yeah. not going to be able to sustain, for example, um, being your most, I don't know, what what do we think Katniss probably wanted to be when we first meet her? Um, an, a, an archerist? Is that yeah. a word even? You know, yeah, she, you're... she was proud of her archery skills. I think so, right? And, and maybe she envisioned that she would do something with archery, um, but she wasn't well, really she... going to be... Yeah, go ahead. Well, and she felt connected to her father because that's something that she and her father did together was they hunted. Sure, sure. Well, and maybe that's a better example of this because since their safety and their, physio- and their, their physical needs were always under threat by the capital... Her father was not able to sustain his existence. He died. That relationship ended in many ways. And though she continued to try to keep it alive through her archery, she was inevitably met with all different kinds of resistance because of the nature of her current constraints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I, I just love that this came up today. Um, thanks past me for bringing that up. <laughs> Good job. Uh, <laughs> Past me says, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> what a great voice past you has, too. <laughs> past me was pretty great. Um, <laughs> I think of it like any sort of building. We mm. need a really strong base to build a building. And it doesn't mean we can't go to the higher floors. Like, you've got that scaffolding. But it's just not as safe to go up to those higher floors until you have a really strong foundation. So you you can scurry up the scaffolding up to self-actualization. But as you were saying, it's going to be really hard to stay there because you're you don't have anything else to stand on. Well, you're going sli- to slide back down. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that. Good job. Oh, thanks. <clears throat> where were we going (laughs) so uh so we're we were talking about how katniss is a revolutionary so she didn't just wake up one morning and decide she was gonna uh, crumble the capital Mm -hmm. she she woke up every morning and was like how am i gonna have enough food and how am i gonna have enough water and am i safe yes Um, yes. she was really trying to build base one and then the next level up on the pyramid Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. she was like base one and two and she did have some love and belonging with her sister prim 
Um, there was some real problematic stuff with her mother. Mm. Um, yeah, but you know, she, she had some, uh, some scaffolding into the other areas as well, but she spent most of her time on, on levels one and two. So if we were to look into Katniss's mind and say, you know, Katniss, what is your intention for the new year? I think her intention would be to not starve to death. Right. So basically put another way, her intention would have been to survive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Her intention would have been to survive. And when we look around at our lives and our friends um, and the intentions that we all set, mm-hmm. like, okay, just because we aren't in uh, District 12 and things aren't quite that grim, like, some people are going through some really hard stuff. And right. if you look at the pyramid and ask yourself, where am I at? You know, if you're hanging out at steps one and two, mm-hmm. why are we setting intentions that are up at the tippy top of the pyramid? Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think one of the other th- things to add to that might be that one of the things that we sometimes realize, and I would say we often realize this from the vantage point of being at the top of the pyramid and looking back and thinking about how far we've come, is that we we often come to realize that in order to, that there is a cyclical nature to this process, and now we're coming back to why sometimes we like circles as opposed to pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> Because if we look at Katniss, for example, while yes, her pro- it is highly probable that her intention on December 31st was to survive, she wasn't really going to be able to ever do that. Say within, more about that. Within the current, like, like within the current system of not just District 12, but of like the entire way that her country was set up. Mm. Because it was not, it was not set up in a way that fostered or made it possible for um, poor folks to either thrive or really survive Mm -hmm. for any long-term period of time. Mm -hmm. And so really to be able to achieve that intention of survival, inevitably, she was going to have to topple the capital. What you're saying and what's coming to my mind is... uh folks who who do the resolutions mm-hmm. they're they're setting these resolutions within a system that is not set up to support them well said so yeah if if Katniss is setting an intention of i'm going to survive that that's that's the best intention she can have but also the the system is not set up to support her in that the system is set up to beat her down and not give any fucks whatsoever about her general well-being. Right. And we could say similar things are true about some of the really common New Year's resolutions that people set. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, people tend to set resolutions around food and bodies. Right. Um, and that... Society is not set up for you to succeed. And I would argue what is considered success is not beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, New Year's resolutions can suck it, man. I think 
Food is a great one to bring up because not only is it one of the more common New Year's resolutions, but it is also such a great example of what we're trying to talk about, that it is in order to achieve what you want to achieve around food, you are running up against real systemic barriers. What do I mean by that? I mean that um, we're looking at cost, right? If we want to make drastic changes in our diet, that means we are going to need to fork over often a sizable amount of money Mm -hmm. to get foods that are going to be genuinely nutritious for our bodies and that are also going to taste good. Because maybe you are the rare human out there who's like, you know what? Raw broccoli and celery. Mm. (laughs) That is doing it for me all day, every day. And like, you know, if you are, I salute you. Um, But I, I think... For many of us, not all of us, but I think for many of us, that's not the case. So we need to be able to have not just the financial resources, but the resource, I think, of time mm-hmm. to be able to then sit down and, and figure out how to prepare these kinds of nutritious meals for ourselves. And at least in America in 2018, realistically, we're not operating in a system that's conducive to those two core requirements for making changes around food. And that's not even to begin to talk about the third really important issue, which is that we don't have a very good understanding, though I do think this is starting to shift. We don't currently have a very good understanding of what it means to be healthy versus what it means to look healthy. Oh, Yeah. And I would add even a fourth item here. I mean, we could probably keep listing, but the thing that comes up for me is access. Do you, do you even have access to, Mm -hmm. let's say you have, uh, okay, I have enough money to buy this, this quote unquote good food, which spoiler alert, food is neither good nor bad because that would mean that there's a moral aspect to food and there fucking isn't. Um, but access to that food can be really difficult. So it's just it's just a recipe for shame and feelings of lack of self-worth. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder a little bit, sir, if this is part of why intention versus resolution speaks to you, mm-hmm. right? Because I think the thing about the word resolution is I think often one of the things it heavily implies is that This is something that I myself as an individual human on this planet or individual Vulcan, you know, Klingon, whatever (laughs) you are, whatever your species as an individual Mm -hmm. entity, if you will, we'll go with entity, that this is something that I have total control over. Yes. And if I don't succeed at this, it is because I failed in some way. It might not mean that I'm a bad person. But it does mean that there was something that I did or did not do that meant that I wasn't able to achieve this resolution. Whereas Mm -hmm. with intention, part of what intention by its very definition is offering us and inviting us to consider is that there's a lot more going on in this process than just us. Mm -hmm. That's going to impact how how successful we are or not, how much time it takes us to actualize, if you will, our intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And while you were talking, uh, not that I was ignoring you because I was listening, uh, but I also, (laughs) well, because you had said 
are are resolution and intention synonyms? And so I had to um, go to ye old dictionary.com Mm-hmm. And look them the, up. The and greatest of earthen inventions. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and they are slightly different. So the the first definition of resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, sure, it does say synonym intention. But if you then go to intention... <laughs> The the first definition of intention is a thing intended, an aim or plan. Which, right. well, it because uh, computers are don't have as much nuance. Um, I would agree with your nuance that resolution is taking on responsibility mm-hmm. and assuming that we have control over things that we don't have control over. Right. Whereas intention says, here's a thing I'm going to try and do. Mm -hmm. And and I am aware that that shit may not work or happen or be reasonable. Right. Um, But it's it's something I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot and we'll see. Well, and I think really baked into that is this idea, too, of rigidity versus flexibility. Oh, beautiful. I know this is something as family therapists that you and I spend a lot of time thinking about both in session and outside of session, because that's just how we roll. Um, that when, when we talk about something be, being rigid, it is not just that it is boundaried or walled, but that those boundaries don't really allow much in or out. So uh, the example I often like to use with folks and that I use most recently is going to be from Game of Thrones when we think of the wall. That oh, is designed. I love the wall. Right? More. Yeah, well, it's designed to keep the walkers out. Mm-hmm. The walkers stay out. The rest of the, the people stay in. And, you know, if all goes well, the people stay safe. The walkers, I don't know, they stay icy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about the wildlings? That's a great point. And this is where it gets complicated, right? Because since this is a very, very rigid boundary or border, if you will, it's not allowing for any passage. And this really impacts the wildlings the most. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, is it, is, it, is it fair? Is it appropriate? Is it just? Is it moral that they have to try to live in this, like, really, hmm, what's this word I'm looking for? Cold, cold, Des- harsh, desolate <laughs> um, environment that makes it very hard to sustain any kind of life. I mean, I don't know if they're ever getting to the top of the pyramid, um, though. I'm sure that what's the guy's name with the red hair that I like so much? Oh, it's Tormund. So I feel like Tormund would probably like really take umbrage with me being like, well, you can't get to the top of the pyramid. I feel like he'd. You know, he'd have his great accent. He'd be like, I'll show you getting to the top of the pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't sound like that, everyone, but that was my best, my my best try there. Um, But yeah, so the rigid boundary of the wall means that the wildlings can't get in. They can't get out. When they eventually do get in, people have a lot of feelings because there's the thought that you're not supposed to be here. You can't be there. And really, I think 
we could argue this point, but I think one of the fundamentals that kept them out was that everybody else in Westeros and the North and Bear Island and all of it, they were like, well, this is a sacrifice we have to make in order to stay safe. We have to keep this rigid wall up. We cannot allow anybody coming in or going out. It's, it's too great a risk. Now, that doesn't really work out for them. And I would... <laughs> that might be the most laid back <laughs> exposition on what's happening with the wall in Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, it's been, a, it's been a stressful time for all of us here at the Starship <laughs> and for our listeners, too. And, I, you know, spoilers, I don't want to upset anyone. And touche. So yeah, it doesn't really work out. <laughs> and that is um, it's pretty typical of rigid boundaries. In the short term, they can be very effective. In the long term, they don't often work. Because to be alive is to change. Mm. And rigid boundaries do not really allow for any kind of change. Flexible boundaries, however, do. Because they're a little more bendy. They may not be timey-wimey, but they're certainly a little more bendy. And I know the example, or one of the examples you often like to use, Captain, is of um, gates, right? That a flexible boundary is you can open the gate, you can invite someone in, you can ask them to leave and close the gate behind them, or you can stand on either side of the gate and have a conversation. I usually do doors, but I, now that you've said gate, I really like that. Okay. Because well, <laughs> well what what I like about a gate is that you can maybe I mean, cuz I usually do doors and like you can peek out the door or whatever, but I kind sure. of like the imagery of a gate because then you really can peek across the gate and and decide like make some some wise choices. Mm-hmm. Um when you're behind the door sometimes it does feel a little bit like I'm hiding behind this door but behind the gate it's like I'm making some really mindful intentional choices about who I'm letting on my property. Right. And you know like if there seems to be a very nice wildling on the other side um and they want to get in they have some reasons for wanting to come in and visit or just like you know stay safe because walkers and wear panthers and what have you you can make <laughs> the decision to open the gate, invite them in, and then like close it very quickly so so the walkers don't get in. And but this is a the, benefit of flexible boundaries. And the ice wear panthers. And the ice wear panthers. This is a great crossover we've created. <laughs> Someone should really call us. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we don't have a book deal yet. Someone, uh, come on. We're come right on, guys. Here. We're right here. We're so ready. Look at this. <laughs> Magic is happening. <laughs> admittedly we got we got lost down the uh the the icy track here a little bit talking about uh rigid and flexible boundaries but originally we brought this up in service to this idea of resolution versus intention resolution is going to be more rigid in mm-hmm. the sense that it says this is what i have to do in a year's time to be worth anything to be right. worthwhile. To be worthwhile. To be worth something. Sometimes it's to be worth anything. Sometimes it's to be worth more. 
Mm-hmm. But regardless, wor- regardless, worth is attached to this very rigid plan. And as we've talked about just now with the wall in Game of Thrones, one of the things that rigidity cannot really take into account very well is life changes. Like suddenly now we have ice dragons. Now we have white dragons. Right, right. Who could have seen that coming? You know, final season, wear, ice wear panthers. Wow. <laughs> Suddenly, this resolution I had of how I was going to, like, do this whole battle. Oh, there's airplanes overhead, and it's making a noise. I can barely hear it. I know. I'm just, like, trying to be better about sound. That's one of my New Year's intentions. <laughs> what? But what if, just as an aside, what if it yes. wasn't a New Year's intention? What if it was just... An intention. An intention, right? Which brings us back to the benefit of flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. Because, it, because by setting an intention, we're not saying I need to complete it in this time frame, in this way, with this number of people. It's saying, this is what I would like to happen. And now I'm going to think about how I would achieve that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to, within this intention, and, and as I'm thinking about how I might actualize this intention, which is to say, start to embody it in my life. I'm also going to try and think about and be open to the idea that things are going to happen that are beyond mm-hmm. my control, that are either going to facilitate the actual actualization of this intention or going to set up barriers. Yeah. And what I would just jump in and add to that is... I find that resolutions are often, we've talked about uh, the purpose is feelings of not having worth or not having enough worth. And I feel like resolutions are often made as some sort of bargain. Like, Mm. if I do this, then I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And they come from a place of less than. Mm. Whereas I feel like intentions come from a place of enough. And... The, so the purpose is I'm, I am, I am enough, right? As I am, I am enough. I am worthy. Um, here are some things I'm thinking of, of trying, doing, changing, not because I, I'm coming from a place of being less than, but because I've sat with it mindfully and decided this is, this is something that makes sense for me. And energetically, you can feel that difference, right? The resolution mm-hmm. is, I I need to eat differently so that I can be okay. Yeah. The intention is, well, I've noticed that um, so, some of the stuff I'm eating, it's kind of given me a bellyache and I've given it some thought. And my intention is to make a few changes around that. Sure. You know, maybe you had five or seven cups of coffee yesterday morning. (laughs) Which not because it was right, but it it wasn't friends at home. It really (laughs) happened. And it it wasn't my intention, but I got I got swept up. You know, I was having breakfast with a friend and I was so excited and one cup led to three. And before you know it, there was seven. Right. (laughs) And in a move. Or happening, or happening that will surprise no one. I indeed woke up this morning with horrific heartburn. <laughs> so much acid. Right. Oh, just just a lot was happening. Um, and 
after, you know, being real with myself about how this came to be, I thought about, well, let's set the, set the intention for now to abstain from the coffee because clearly my body is sending me the message that like, whoa, too much. Mm -hmm. It's not sending me the message, what an awful human you are. Mm, exactly spock how terrible that you did this to us what's wrong with you why would you ever make this choice that's not what the body is saying what the body is saying is okay so you had a good time yesterday now we need to take a step back mm -hmm. from some from certain beverages and maybe certain foods so we can get back into alignment and the difference between these two ways of thinking and then ways of enacting change in our lives um as i think you're saying really well is that one is coming from a, pos a position of you are less than you are wrong you're bad you're bad and you made mm -hmm. you did a bad thing and now you must rectify the situation in order to be okay so yeah. in some it's saying you're not okay right now but if you work hard enough maybe you will be okay in the future Mm -hmm. Whereas the second approach, the approach of the intention says, hey, you're okay right now. You were okay yesterday. You have intrinsic worth and value as a human being. But maybe there, there's, there's some different choices you could make to help yourself while keeping in mind that you always have been and always will be a worthwhile Vulcan human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we're talking about this, I realize our listeners at home might be going, but wait, didn't you say this was about revolution? And I don't hear a ton of revolution. And what I would say is it is revolutionary to question this, this Westworld construct that we have been handed that on December 31st, we need to make a list of all of our, all of our wrongs mm -hmm. and then, you know, do something about it. Um, and it is revolutionary to, as we've talked about in the past, take a big step back and look at this, look at your Westworld construct and see if it serves you. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that this particular Westworld construct serves fucking nobody. <laughs> so when people say, oh, what's your resolution? I'm not going to be like, fuck your resolution. But what I am going to say, I mean, depending on the day you might captain well i it depends on the human <laughs> uh Fair. but but i would say i don't do resolutions i do revolutions and here's what that means and while that may sound like a dick thing to say what i have found is that and we've talked about this a bit in the past on shows a bit when we talk about the Westworld construct is that people haven't necessarily considered whether or not they're allowed to opt out. And by saying, no, I don't do new year's resolutions. I prefer a revolution. While in that moment, the other person might be like, this is a strange thing that is happening. And I mm -hmm. am uncomfortable because this is not how these conversations usually go. They may walk away from that conversation and go, wait a minute, can I opt out of this? Mm -hmm. can, can, can I just set an intention instead of making a hard and fast rule for myself for the next 12 days until I inevitably burn out? I mean, that's 
that's what uh, the the numbers seem to bear out as people tend to burn out around day twelve. So, yes, I think I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And well, know. You, you know, and I think to your point, this is this is part of how culture shifts. Mm-hmm. Yes, culture shifts in in big ways for sure. But just as important are these kinds of daily interactions with folk. Mm-hmm. Yep. And part of part of being the revolution that you want to see in the world is showing up in these sometimes quieter moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's those micro interventions that really yeah well that really make a huge difference. Um, because if you introduce, if you plant a seed in the mind of one person, Mm -hmm. it, it will grow or it won't, but if it grows, they will go on to plant a seed for somebody else. And that, that's absolutely how cultural shift happens. That's how we got Westworld constructs in the first place. And then one day we decided that we just were gonna, you know, okay, our garden is grown. End scene. <laughs> Thinking back to Katniss, you know, her, her intention was to survive. Um, mm. And then her intention changed, right? Right. Uh, because then it became to ensure that her sister survived. Mm-hmm. Yep. I need to make sure, I need to make sure my whole family survives. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, so my intention is not just to keep myself alive, but to keep these people alive too. And then intention shifted to, uh, not to all just... of district 12. Sorry, go ahead. I'm messing with no, you. No, but that's exactly where I was going. It's not just, it's, it started with her and it went out to her sister and her mom and her community. Mm-hmm. And then it was the whole fucking world of Pan Am. Don't tell me an intention isn't powerful. It's so powerful. And really, I think in many ways, this is timely to discuss, not just because, of course, December 31st is right around the corner, but also because if we think about where we are at right now, culturally and I mean, frankly, globally, we are at a point in time when we really must start to think about all of us. Mm hmm. It is not about me. It is not about my sister. It is not about my family. It is not just about my community. It must be about all of us. If we mm-hmm. are going to endure as a civilization, as a planet, it doesn't mean that we give up our individual or intergroup uniquenesses, but it does mean starting to really wrap our minds around this idea that we all have to make it if we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm still, I've, I've been looking intermittently at uh, the definition of intention on dictionary.com since we've been talking. Um, and the, the second definition is the healing process of a wound. Ooh. And that just. That's powerful. That just feels really resonant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we've we talked a lot, um, which I mean, we did. We did talk a lot. Um, 
but uh, as we sometimes do, we meandered a bit. Well, yes. <laughs> and I, I just want to make sure that our friends at home uh, have some have, solid takeaways. Yeah, have some solid takeaways mm -hmm. of well, what, what, what can they do? I suppose the first one that stands out to me is trying to have a sense of where, like, from where are you moving? When you are thinking about resolution versus intention, where are you coming from internally? Are you coming from a place of um, perceived weakness? Mm. Are you coming from a place of worry about lacking something? Are you coming from a place of guilt or even shame? Are you coming from a place of strength? Are you coming from a place of I know I'm worthwhile and there are things that I want to shift in this mm -hmm. upcoming year. Mm -hmm. So really tapping into that before you start to think about what your intention is, start to really pay attention to where are you coming from? And if you notice yourself kind of really getting bogged down in feelings of um, worthlessness or insecurity or anxiety, guilt, or maybe the kind of the most torturous of them all, which is shame, pausing, and getting some extra support and help around that. Mm-hmm. What I would add to that is as, as you're doing this kind of internal inquiry is asking yourself, is this mine? And by that, I mean, if, if something comes up, like the, the desire to, let's say, change the way that you're eating, mm -hmm. really tuning in and asking yourself, is, is this something that I want or is this something that I have been told I should want? Mm -hmm. um, and if it's something that I've been told that I should want, how is that serving me? Because it might not be. Right. In fact, it probably isn't if it's something you've been told that you should or should not do or feel. Mm -hmm. And it can be confusing because we get so many messages. I've been having conversations with clients about this all month or two months um, about all the messages we're being inundated with and they really get into our subconscious and it becomes confusing. You know, these messages uh, about diamonds and chocolate covered hazelnuts and uh... <laughs> we always got to bring it back around to diamonds <laughs> and chocolate covered hazelnuts. <laughs> but we've been having a lot of conversations about this sort of stuff because people have been very sad. Um, around the holidays because of all these messages of what you, you know, you should be getting along with your family. All right. Well, I'm going to set, uh, I'm going to do a resolution that I'm going to make amends with my family. Okay. Well, I mean, if that's authentically what you want to do, that's lovely. But if that's coming from a place of the Hallmark channel told me to, mm -hmm. mm, I don't know if that shit's serving you. And also, even if you you decide this is this is genuinely what I want, we got to pause and think about intention and flexible boundaries. And also, who are the people involved in this intention? Is it just me? Because if it's an intention to make amends with my family, it's not just about me. It's about the fam, too. And they are autonomous human beings. Which means mm -hmm. that we cannot control how they are going to react or not react, how open they will or will not be. 
And so when our intention involves others, I think especially when our intention involves others, it's important to pause and think about, okay, what are things that I can change that are within my power to change? And what are things that I can hope for, responses that I hope to inspire, but are ultimately things that I don't have control over? I'm I'm just I'm nodding I'm nodding because I feel the resonance of that. That is that is a resonant statement. So we we have given our friends the takeaway of do do some inquiry mm-hmm. and uh, some some mindful uh, some mindful inquiry, mm-hmm. and then should you choose to set an intention, would say to set an intention that that feels like you are adding to your own wholeness. Like I am already whole. I'm not trying to fill a hole. I am already a whole human. And what, what would be, what would be something that would make my wholeness even more, you know, beautiful. You're a, uh, you're a Fabergé egg of a human. What would be <laughs> even just one more filigree to add to the Fabergé-ness of your wholeness? As usual, Captain, I am overwhelmed. <laughs> really? It was the Fabergé egg that got it was, you? It was the Fabergé egg, yeah. It, it, I was <laughs> overwhelmed by your uh, facility with metaphor. <laughs> things, things to Google? What mm-hmm. are we looking up? All right. Yep. Yeah. What are we looking up? Uh, today, friends, I can pronounce everything. So oh, this is, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> you can't see it, everyone, but I just did jazz hands. Um, <laughs> so today we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Maslow's pyramid, if you will. We talked about flexible versus rigid boundaries. We also gave a shout out to social constructionism, a.k.a. the Westworld construct. We talked about intention, resolution, revolution, and finally, micro-interventions. Man, that's a great list. Right? Um, and the, the fandoms we talked about, we talked about the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that it? Was that the No, Game of Thrones. Rev- Game of Thrones, man. Yeah, Game of Thrones definitely got some play here. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. Slay, boy, slay in that fucking coat. (laughs) Just like Daenerys. Tune in for our next app on Into the Spider-Verse. Integrate your spidey senses. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live live long and and prosper. prosper.